You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. Amen. We have been in sort of a, I, I, I didn't officially call it a series, but it's sort of turned into one. I've just in my mind been calling it the cross as we're heading into the Easter season. And today I want to talk about uh, an, a very interesting character in the Bible. His name is Barabbas. And uh, we're going to be reading from uh, Matthew chapter 27, and if you could put it up for me, beginning at verse 15, it says this. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded then, what should I do with Jesus who's called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. Could you imagine saying that? So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. This story of Jesus being condemned and Barabbas going free, it's actually in all four of the Gospels. And it's, it's fairly rare for a story, uh, even one of the great miracles, to be found in all four. All four of the Gospel writers were writing to a particular person or a group of people and for a particular reason. And so they they didn't often have the same story. But this one is in all four, which is is, uh, unique. Barabbas is a troublemaker. He's a troubled person. It's uh, Luke Luke 23 says that he was in prison for taking part in an uprising against the Romans and for murder. So... He's clearly guilty. There's no doubt about about his guilt. He's been sentenced to die, to be crucified, and to be executed. So there's some evidence, actually, uh, that suggests that he may have been considered a freedom fighter to some of the Jews uh, because of his rebellion against Rome, and that his violence and and his crimes were always against Rome and Romans and not against the Jews. But uh, there's some debate on that. But 
Either way, the Romans considered him to be a troublemaker. They actually considered him to be, we would call him modern day, we would call him a terrorist. He was looking for ways to, uh, to overthrow the government, to, to do anything he could to disrupt their plans. And they wanted to get rid of him very, very badly. Uh, so he's in prison. He's already convicted. His fate is sealed. He has no prayer, no hope of getting out. This story is such a, it's an unusual story about an unusual substitution. It was the good for the bad, the innocent for the guilty. And I'm sure that nobody was more surprised than Barabbas himself, could you imagine, to hear the crowd shouting for him to go free. And he's like, am I hearing this right? They're shouting for me, you know? And I'm sure that took him a little bit by surprise as well. Pilate already knows that Jesus is innocent. He already knows that the charges against him were done out of envy and jealousy. They had no substance to them whatsoever. In fact, Peter says this just uh, a few days, literally after the resurrection in Acts chapter 3. He says this, verse 12, says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? This is just after they healed the lame man. Why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. So both Pilate and actually Herod knew. He was before Pilate, then he, he says, oh, he's from Galilee, oh, send him to Herod. Herod doesn't find anything wrong with him. He just makes fun of him and sends him back to Pilate. They both know that Jesus has done nothing to deserve death. In fact, Pilate and Herod were not fans of their religious leaders at all. They didn't like them at all, and their religious leaders felt the same way about them. But here, they seem to uh, just to avoid, you know, I guess uh, you, we would call it peer pressure, and Pilate was feeling it that day. And it's his responsibility to keep the peace, and so he just gives in even though he knows the man doesn't deserve to die. Pilate's trying to release him, but he gives in to the pressure of the screaming crowd. You know, some say actually that Jesus hung on the cross that was originally intended for Barabbas, that they had planned for three crucifixions that day, the two thieves and Barabbas was to be the third, but Jesus took his spot. He literally took his place on his cross that was going to him. So the story of, here's my point today. The story of Jesus and Barabbas is this parallel story for every believer. Look at Romans 3.23. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So 
All of us have fallen short. All of us are guilty of sin before a holy God. And we don't have the ability to reach God's standard or God's, uh, God's level, God's, uh, God's uh, sort of level of holiness on our own. We, we can't do it. Our good deeds can't do it. Our money can't do it. We just can't do it on our own. We needed a savior. We needed Jesus to be our substitute. And we were just as lost. Here's the point, and don't miss it. We were just as lost and just as helpless as Barabbas was. We were lost without Jesus. And Jesus chose to die in our place as well. The innocent one steps up to be the substitute. Get this today, not just for Barabbas, but for you and I. He stepped up for us, right? I am Barabbas. You are Barabbas. Because of Jesus, we have been set free. The innocent took the place of the guilty. And because of what he's done, we've been made right, set free before the presence of an almighty God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. See, when you think about the story of Barabbas, don't think about Barabbas just as this random, bad, revolutionary, terrorist murderer. Think of Barabbas as you and me. Barabbas is actually a mini picture of the gospel. The good replacing the stepping in and replacing the bad. The la last week we talked about uh, what the cross accomplishes. And uh, I had said last week that it saves us from the penalty of sin, it saves us from the power of sin, and eventually it will save us from the presence of sin. And I wanted to talk just a few more things that the cross can teach us, especially if you have a, a, an open heart and you're you, you already believe, and if you're willing to take a step of faith and put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, these, uh, these uh, points that I'm going to mention today will become more powerful and more real to you the more you understand and the more you know him. The first is this. Uh, other things that we can learn from the cross. The first is this. God takes sin very seriously. He takes sin very seriously. If there was any doubt about how serious God takes sin, <laughs> the cross is your answer. Just think about it. How, how serious does he take it? Well, he takes it serious enough to send his son to die on a cross because it was that bad. It was that horrible. He wants this relationship with us, but we have this sin problem. We have this fallen nature issue. We are hardly perfect. And so he, he knows that it needs to be dealt with. We can't stand in his presence. We can't stand in the holy presence of God as a sinner. We need somebody to pay that for us. We need somebody to cover us, to robe us, right, in righteousness, as the word says. So to defeat sin, he sends his son who takes our penalty, pays the price for us. 
And so it's this amazing truth to know that our sin killed Jesus, but at the same time, Jesus killed sin. It's true, isn't it? How seriously does God take sin? Enough to send the Holy One to the cross. Our sin kills him, but Jesus killed the power of sin. It was the only way to make things right. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is how we're made right. God takes sin seriously, but he also made a way for sin to be killed and to be dealt with because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that's number one. Number two, the cross also shows us that we are deeply, deeply loved, deeply loved. It's a love so pure and so incredibly strong that we see in Jesus. It's unbelievable. He taught it. He modeled it. He, he showed the love of God throughout his whole life, his, his care, his compassion, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. It was at a level that nobody had ever seen before. Nobody could understand somebody like him who could, who could love people and accept people the way that he did. It was not ever seen before. It was totally pure and completely untainted. His love was also, it was, it, was, it was pure, but it was also incredibly strong. And don't miss that. Love sometimes get, gets talked about in our world as this sappy, conditional, you know, romantic, and those things are fun at a certain level. But I'm talking about the power and the strength of love that he shows. It, the strength of his love was tested so many times. He, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says he's sweating drops of blood. The pressure on the man is so intense. And he says, Father, if there's a way, can this, be, can this, can this cup pass from me? But he said, but I'm ready to do your will and I'm ready to move forward. He was tested time and time again. Look at, um, uh, it's like he lays down his life so that we can be rescued. And look at these, John chapter 10, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And then later, a few verses later, John 10, 18, he says, no one can take my life from me. Understand this. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. The crucifixion is not a mistake. Jesus wasn't being framed and dying against his will. Understand that he gave his life. It was a purposeful act of love. Nobody, he says, could take it from me. Nobody can take it. I lay it down. Why? Because he loves us. God so loved the world, amen, that he sent his son. 
He loves us, and his love is strong. His love is actually stronger than death. Think about it. He chose to die rather than to let go of his love for us. You can't really grasp fully a love that deep, that pure, that strong. It's, it's beyond, in many ways, beyond our comprehension. And Paul sort of says it in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, but here he, here he says it, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I know that many of us have been in church for a long time, and if you're watching at home, you too. We've all heard God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But just the cross, if, if, if there was ever any doubt there should be no doubt left. He went to the cross. He died. He di it wasn't a mistake. His life wasn't taken from him. He laid it down voluntarily because he loved you, because he loved me. It's still pretty awesome, <laughs> even though we've heard it many, many times before, maybe. If you've never heard that God loves you, understand that he does with a love that's so pure and so strong that you can't even comprehend the depth of it all. But you can comprehend it enough to know this, that he gave his life for you, and it was no mistake. He loved us enough to do that. What else does the cross show? The cross shows a purpose. The cross had a purpose. It's not a random event. I said it's not, it's not a mistake. The purpose of the cross is very powerful and very clear. The plan, the purpose of the cross is simply this, to save the world. That's it, to save the world. Only a small plan, just a small thing. There is no one too, too bad. There is nobody too far gone. It is for anyone who would believe. Amen? Romans 5, verse 6 says, well, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. There was a purpose. See, even Barabbas, whatever happened to him after that day, nobody really knows. Maybe, maybe he, he went right back to his life of crime. Who knows? Maybe his life was deeply impacted by, by someone stepping up like that and saving him. Maybe he got it, maybe he didn't, I don't know. But that day, even Barabbas was died for, do you understand? Even the thief on the cross, in his last moment of life, he died for him too, even for you, even for me. He died for us all. The people that day, mocking him and hating him and rejecting him, he died for them too. Jesus is the redemption for the world. That's the purpose of the cross. See, the, I just used a, a, big, a big churchy word. But redeem or redemption, it just simply means this, to obtain the release or to restore from captivity by paying a ransom. That's what the word means. 
uh, to buy back or to deliver or to rescue. And if you look it up in a dictionary, it'll say something to that effect. He redeems us. He buys us back. He pays the ransom to set us free. The cross is not random, but had great purpose. Jesus is the willing victim redeeming the world. He bought us back, obtained our release, and paid for our ransom. And understand this, children of God, the enemy has no hold on people who have been redeemed. We have been bought at a great price. We have been adopted into God's family. He has made us right. He has given us hope and a future. He has set us free. We have been sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that was wrong about us has been made right through the cross. I was Barabbas. I was lost. I was blind. I was guilty. But now I am found. My eyes are open and I have been released from the captivity of sin. Jesus has broken its power. And he's opened a way for whoever, whosoever may come, whosoever may believe, will receive. The cross had a purpose, and it was to save the world, you and me. What else, lastly, is this? The cross shows us an example. It gives us an example to follow. It's a powerful example to follow. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He said, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. See, the cross reminds us of our responsibility to live for him, to live like him. His faith, his courage, his patience, his love, his generosity. It's the great model that is laid before us, even to the point of sacrificing himself on the cross. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example to follow. Philippians chapter 2 just expands on it a little bit. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Then uh, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The cross is an example. It's an example to us. We who have the life of Christ in us are now called to live differently. We are called to show those around us the qualities of Jesus that should be and are growing in us. The fruits of the Spirit are now ours. Love, joy, peace, patience, they're ours. Yes, do we have a ways to go? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. I know you, right? You know me. We're not perfect. But I know this. 
He who calls us equips us. He who gives us a mission also gives us the power to accomplish the mission. Amen? He's, sometimes we think that the things God calls us to, it's not possible. And, and it's, it's like stinking thinking, they used to call it. You know, like we think, oh, well, that, that it's for, maybe that's for like some unbelievably godly person. Or that's probably just for like the pastor. Or, you know, maybe my grandfather, because he's like, you know, so godly. But somehow it's not for me. Somehow I find a, a reason or a way to excuse myself. The cross is our example. It's your example. His love, his courage, his patience, his generosity. It's the model that we are now called to emulate. See, we can talk until we're blue in the face, but a changed life makes our words real and powerful. A changed life cannot be denied. See, talk is cheap, as they say. And James kind of said it in James chapter 2, verse 14. He said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Jesus is our inspiration. He's our power source to change. He calls us, and then he equips us. He puts us, he points us on mission, and then he says, just walk. Just walk it out, and I will give you the words to say. I will give you the anointing. I will give you the gifts. I will give you the talents. I will give you what you need to live this life that I've called you to. You just follow me faithfully. Trust me and let God do the rest in you. He is our inspiration, but he's also our power source to change. We love, we forgive, we show compassion, we serve, we give because he did all those things for us. And now we are his representatives here on earth, filled with the Holy Spirit and called to continue the work that Jesus started. It's the least we can do, don't you think? It's the least we can do to honor all that he's done for us. It's the least we can do. You know when someone gives you a gift, you know, like unexpectedly, and it doesn't have to be at Christmas time, and then they, and, and they always say, no, like, this is just for you, like no obligation, no obligation. But somehow deep within, you always let's put that in the C drive, right? You go, hmm, I owe Rob Hargrave a gift. He bought me lunch. I got to get him back for that one. You know, you know, what, I mean? you know what I mean? We, it's, it's, it's natural for us to, to think that way. And, and sometimes it's called for and sometimes it's not. But when we're talking about Jesus, he has given you the gift of life. He has given you the gift of life. Don't we, don't we owe him something back? Doesn't he deserve our best? He gave his best. Why shouldn't I give my best back? It seems logical to me. And I shouldn't make excuses or expect somebody else to give their best and excuse my behavior 
my talk, my reactions, and, and not give my best. If he gave his best for me, then I must give my best to him. Jesus went to the cross for us. He took our place. We are Barabbas. We are Barabbas. He is our example. He's our inspiration. He stepped up. He stepped up when we were in need because he loved us so much. And now he calls us to do the same. It's time, church, to step up. We live in a world that's dark and lost and hurting, and it needs the love and the message of Jesus. Somebody said amen. It's time to step up. He's calling you. He stepped up for you, and now it's time. We are Jesus' representatives here on earth. We're his instruments, his vessels, his children, his family. We represent him to in the flesh to people here in our community and all around the world. We must step up. We must do our part. He calls us to do the same. Understand today and be encouraged. He is worthy to be served. Amen? He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be followed. He is worthy to be obeyed. Talking about follow, that just hit me. <laughs> People on social media... Social media is like a blessing and a curse at the same time. But people on social media, they always want followers. Have you noticed that? Follow us. Follow me. Follow us. Click the like button. Follow, follow, follow. Follow me, follow me. I'm worth it. I'm worthy. I'll put out good content. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I'll bless you. I'll encourage you. Follow me. Follow me. Please follow me. Follow me. Oh, follow me. Let's take ads out on Facebook. Let's, let's advertise on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Please follow me. Everybody on social media wants followers. Let me just say this. Jesus, he may not have an Instagram or a Twitter account, but he still wants you to follow him. And if somebody on social media is worthy of following, the King of Kings sure is too. He has earned it, and he deserves it. For all that he's done for you, make it personal. For what he's done for you, it's easy to say for the world, but he has saved you. He is with you. He loves you. He has made a home for you. He's excited about you. He is so worthy to be followed. He is so worthy to be emulated. He is so worthy. There is no one like him. And if you don't have a personal relationship, we've got to wrap up, but if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, Understand, you can. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what culture you're from, the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter if you have money or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. He loves you. 
He died for you. He was your substitute and wants a relationship, a personal relationship with you. That's what he wants. And it's possible no matter who you are and no matter what you've done. Invite him into your life. Take that step of faith and you'll begin to understand in a deeper way the meaning of the cross and how real Jesus actually is. People that take that step of faith, they know that he's real. They know that he's alive. They know that he's powerful because we experience his love and his, his blessing and his help. We understand that he's worthy. And if you don't understand that today, all it requires is for you to call on the name of the Lord and to take that step of faith. It's a door that you just need to open a little bit. And if you do, you'll find him on the other side with his arms wide open, so excited to know you, so excited to welcome you, so excited to help you and bless you and save you. This is the purpose of the cross, to save the world, to save you. Believers, we have to live. Let me just encourage us just as we close today. Let's live in such a way that we represent him well. Amen? Let's just represent him well. Let's make him proud. When he looks down at you, let him smile. You know, by how you live, by what you say, by how you act and react, even in traffic. <gasps> no, Lord. No, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless that person that just cut me off. <laughs> how we act, how we react, how we think, how we treat people. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do this. We can represent him well. So believers, I encourage you today, live in such a way that you make him proud. Our actions will give power to our words. Understand that. People that you know, people that you want to share the gospel with, people that you know that, that in your family or in your, in your neighborhood or around you, and, 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 and there's a longing in your heart to be able to, to, to see change and transformation and salvation come into the lives of people. I would just encourage you, your actions will give you power. Your actions will give power to your words. It will give authenticity to your life. And you will become a powerful, powerful person, anointed and filled with the Spirit when you live a life that follows the example of Jesus. You won't have to worry. Your life and your words will be powerful when we can emulate him well. So, as we close today, Jesus gave us his best. I am Barabbas. You are Barabbas. He took our spot. He substituted himself for me and for you. He gave us his best, and he deserves our very best in return.
just as simple as that. Let's pray together. Let's stand as we, as we pray. So thank you, Father, today. Thank you so much. Lord, the story of the cross and Barabbas and all the details that surrounds this. For many of us, Lord, we've heard many times. But help us, Lord, never to be indifferent towards it. Just even in this moment, Father, as mature believers, if we're here today or watching at home, may we just be reminded, may you feel the touch of the Holy Spirit. Understand that he is lovely, that he loves you, that he died on that cross. And that's still special, no matter how many times you've heard it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us your best. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for being our substitute. Thank you for redeeming us and paying our ransom. Thank you for all you've done. Lord, it seems pretty simple to understand that since you gave your best to us, it seems, Lord, pretty reasonable that we should be giving our best to you. And so we ask you, Lord, to help us to do that. The enemy always wants to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in our lives. He's always wanting to interrupt the work that you're doing in us. He's always looking to sidetrack us, get us focused on our circumstances, take our eyes off the prize. But Lord, today, remind us all, at the end of it all, it's what we do for Jesus that really matters. It really counts. That we can make an eternal difference, an eternal difference in the lives of people, Lord, that we have an opportunity to impact with the gospel. So thank you for giving us your best. And we just simply ask, Lord, that your anointing would rest on us, that you would fill us, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit afresh so that we might be men and women who would be willing and able to give you our best. Whatever stage of life we're in and whatever that best looks like for us and in our circumstance, Father, help us to do that. Rid us of excuses. Rid us of apathy. Rid us, Lord, of justifying ourselves and not giving you our best. Help us, Lord, to understand that it's time to step up. You stepped up for us, and we must, Lord, step up for the cause of the kingdom. So thank you today. Thank you for every person that is here in this room today. Thank you for every person that's watching at home today. Lord, encourage us all. May your blessing go with us. May your power be upon us. Lord, may your peace May your touch, Lord, may your encouragement, may the joy of the Holy Spirit be our strength today. Thank you, Father. Keep everybody well. We ask you, Lord, that you would rid our land of this virus. 
We ask you, Lord, that you would keep your hand on us and keep us well in Jesus' name. May it not touch our house, O God. And may you rid it, Lord, of our land. Help us, Father, Lord, not to live in fear, but to live in confidence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are the best. And we want to serve you to the best of our ability. Thank you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God's people said amen. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.